Hi, Chillinois. As we get closer to the holiday season, I just wanted to wish everybody the happiest of holidays. I'm on Instagram Live right now, and I just wanted to say that, hey, you can call us at 312-772-6844 if you want to leave us a voicemail. We'll play that uh, voicemail message on the air. And, uh, yeah, just wanted to throw that out at the top of the uh, show. I wanted to give you guys a few things to look into over your holiday break. I wanted to discuss a few things, including a recent court ruling that seems to be in favor of cannabis consumers in Illinois. I wanted to talk about why seeds are not sold in dispensaries and why I think that's actually a good thing. I wanted to talk about the next set of craft cultivation licenses and when you can expect to have seed when you can expect to see seeds in soil and when you can expect to see craft cultivation products possibly, you know? So we'll we'll talk about that and maybe a little bit more. But first, a story out of Morrison, Illinois. As we've talked about, Illinois decriminalized the possession of certain amounts of cannabis in January of 2019. And as we've stressed time and time again, shortly after the law went into effect, Illinois police officers continued to use the odor of cannabis as a basis to search motor vehicles during traffic stops. So, on December 3rd, 2020, an Illinois state trooper stopped a motor vehicle on Interstate 88 in rural Whiteside County for speeding. After smelling the odor of cannabis, the officer searched the vehicle and arrested its passenger, Vincent Molina, for misdemeanor possession of 2.6 grams of cannabis. Now, you might be wondering, why was he arrested for 2.6 grams of cannabis? How can you get a misdemeanor possession for cannabis? It's something that we talked about in uh, a few episodes that we did with defense attorney Evan Bruno. So definitely check out that episode. Long story short, the answer is that when we legalized cannabis, we defined uh, transportation of cannabis, and that requires uh, it to be in a certain container. But maybe we can talk about that at the end of the show. I want to make sure that I don't digress from, from the topic at hand. So the defendant's lawyers filed a motion to suppress the evidence, and the issue presented to the court was whether the odor of raw cannabis can be used as a basis for police to search a motor vehicle in light of the recent decriminalization of possession of limited amounts of cannabis. On Friday, November 19th, a Whiteside County court ruled that the odor of raw cannabis alone does not provide probable cause for a police officer to perform a warrantless search of a motor vehicle in the state of Illinois. Which is a great thing. It's the first time we've ever seen any precedent set in this in this way. So Judge Daniel P. Dalton ruled that, quote, there are a number of wholly innocent reasons a person or the vehicle in which they are in may smell of raw cannabis. Judge Dalton ruled that the court finds that the odor of raw cannabis alone is insufficient to establish probable cause. The court found that to rule otherwise would place not only the defendant, but also any person in Illinois age 21 or above in a position where they could exercise their rights under the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act only to forfeit their rights under the United States Constitution 
and or the Illinois Constitution, even though they've acted wholly within the bounds of the law. The, de- the court declines to impose this untenable situation upon the defendant or any similarly situated pers- person. Now, in its ruling, the court noted that the Illinois state trooper did not indicate, indicate any other reason for his suspicions of, uh, for his search other than the smell of raw cannabis and that Mr. Molina did provide a medical use license to the trooper prior to the search of the vehicle. So obviously this was a momentous decision. Uh, to loosely quote the attorney, James Murtis, uh, he said, it represents an important and necessary expansion of our constitutional protections. Today's decision protects citizens from unreasonable searches based upon conduct that is no longer illegal. Now, it's important to put it out there that the state can still appeal the decision, according to Murtis. And we've reached out to Attorney Murtis for additional comments, but considering that the state can still appeal the decision, I expect that we will not hear back from Attorney Murtis until they've been reassured that the state will not challenge Judge Dalton's ruling. So that's that's some huge news because this is the topic we started the show on. I mean, we've been discussing this exact topic since we started the podcast. It's something we've kicked around, and it's it's been a you know a fixation of mine at least since we've legalized. Like, is it truly legal if if arrests like these continue? And it's good to see a court ruling back up that that this is not just right so let's hope we continue to see precedent set in this direction and um yeah let's hope to to let's hope things keep moving in this direction all right let's talk about illinois craft cultivators shall we so people have been writing into me asking what's going on with craft cultivators like when can we expect to see craft cultivation licenses and uh, active and like seeds in the soil and when will the next set be issued well let me start with the second question first when will the next set of craft cultivation licenses be issued according to the illinois department of agriculture uh their their website uh, the department is authorized by the cannabis regulation and tax act to issue up to 60 additional craft grower and infuser licenses before December 20th, 2021. And as I think we tweeted, I don't know if we actually covered it on the podcast, but I believe we tweeted sometime in September, the the department actually sent out fourth round deficiency notices to remaining eligible applicants from the first uh, issuance period. These, deficient, these deficiency notices are for missing information and in exhibits that were not assigned a point value in the CRTA and its corresponding administrative rules. According to the Illinois Department of Agriculture, not all eligible applicants received a deficiency notice in this round. An applicant who has not received a disqualification notice and did not receive a fourth round deficiency notice may still be eligible for a license. The department has provided some questions and answers regarding this round of deficiency notices, if you have any. So, yeah. People are watching me on Instagram saying that I'm sideways. I know I am. I'm always sideways. Anyways, back to the topic at hand. I recently saw a article in the Chicago Tribune 
that I thought was really good because it talks about kind of the uphill battle that craft cultivators are facing. If you want to read the entire article, it's the headline is New Cannabis Craft Growers Advised to Specialize, or no, New Cannabis Craft Growers Advised to Follow Craft Beer Model and Specialize. I'll throw a link in the podcast description if you guys would like to read about it, uh, read the exact article. Um, but I, I think that it, it does a really good uh, job in both addressing the first question that I, I still haven't answered, which was when will we see the current craft cultivators actually start operating? Uh, but it also talks about the uphill battle that, that all these craft cultivators are going to face. So let's let's talk about it. Let's pull some stuff out of the article. So since getting their licenses, now first of all, those 40 craft licenses that were issued uh, earlier this year, they, I mean, they're, they've been issued. They're not held up like the dispensary licenses are. There's nothing holding them up. There's nothing. <laughs> I say, I was about to say there's nothing holding them back from putting seeds in soil, but that there is, and we'll talk about that. There's, there are a few things, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, they have the licenses, right? So, um, since getting their licenses, owners generally are in the process of trying to get financing to build out and open their businesses. As I said, the craft growers face an uphill climb. Um, we've talked about this a few times. One of the biggest things that I think that like the law, it's like an, uh, an unneeded barrier <laughs> is that uh, craft cultivators will be limited by law to 5,000 square feet of flowering canopy space, I believe, which is huge. I mean, I, mean, I don't want to say it's huge, but I definitely wouldn't be able to grow. I, like, I'll just be honest. I wouldn't be able to maintain a 5,000 square foot uh, flower, flowering canopy space. Um, it is important to note that this canopy space could be increased up to a maximum of 14,000 square feet, which is also large in my opinion, uh, like for me, again, I'm not a commercial grower. I'm a, you know, I only grow five plants at a time, but so 5,000, 14,000 square feet, that might sound large to you, but when you stack that up against the fact that, uh, current operators can have 210,000 square feet of canopy space and the fact that they can have multiple cultivation centers and up to 10 retail stores each, well, then you start to see like where it's kind of like uh, the playing field is a little bit unbalanced. Do you know what I mean? Um, as in other industries, as this report uh, or this article covers, supply chain issues are slowing down uh, delivery of construction materials, further delaying owners from building their businesses, and... Okay, I had to pause the podcast for a second. I was talking a lot and not breathing enough. So, basic materials like roof trusses and concrete wall panels, which are frequently used by big builders such as Amazon, are in short supply. Um, another frustrating aspect of the business has been waiting for the, for the State Department of Agriculture to advise businesses on how to get approval for various issues before opening. Some craft growers are saying that they might be able to start construction before the end of the year, but we'll see that play out. 
there are some craft growers that are saying that they're trying to get, you know, questions answered from the department to make sure that, that everything that they're building is in compliance with the law. And they're not getting any uh, res- response with regard to that. There are other situations in which um, people on the board or people that were listed originally in the application are no longer uh, involved in the business. And so they need guidance on how to basically swap those names out. And the Department of Agriculture is not, I guess, given any guidance with regard to that. So there's a there's a huge mess. Another question that we've gotten, that is, I'm just kind of addressing some community questions for a moment, um, is when will we see these new dispensaries? Well, as you may or may not know, the 185 dispensary licenses are held up in court right now. Now, the specific question that we got was, when will we see more medical cannabis dispensaries? That It was a question that I think we got via email or something. And... Um, I think we covered it in a a like special episode that we did on a medical on a some issues that were affecting the medical cannabis program but from what we understand there were 5 medical cannabis dispensary licenses that were up for grabs during the dispensary license lottery and so those are held up in court right now right now once those licenses are actually awarded we can expect five more medical cannabis dispensaries to open. From there, I'm not aware of any plans to expand the number of medical cannabis dispensaries or cultivation licenses for that matter. I want to reiterate something that we've said on the podcast a few times, that since craft cannabis will be adult use only, you will not see it at any of the five new medical cannabis dispensaries. In fact, You will only see medical cannabis at the social equity medical cannabis dispensary. That's right. In other words, a license that was set to be issued on the basis of social equity will be unable to stock or sell social equity product from what we understand. Now, I could, I am willing to admit I could be wrong on, like, slightly wrong on it. Some people have pointed out that There are dual-use stores, so stores that have an adult use and a medical cannabis license. In that instance, you would see craft cannabis at your, quote, medical cannabis dispensary, right? If you go to a medical cannabis store that also sells adult use, you might see craft cannabis there. But from what we understand, you're not going to be able to buy that craft cannabis at the medical cannabis tax rate. You're still going to have to pay the adult use tax rate. That's just from that's just from what we understand, and uh, we could be wrong. Things could also change, but everybody that I've talked to has reaffirmed that that is the case, and so unfortunately, that seems to be the case. So the last thing, the last big subject that I wanted to discuss on this episode, this holiday special, as I send you guys into your Thanksgiving, is seeds and the fact that you know um when home cultivation of cannabis was legalized there was also language included in the bill that said that uh, that dispensaries can sell seeds now we've received the question 
why are seeds not sold in dispensaries? Now, again, just to reiterate, the law allows for seeds to be sold in dispensaries, but the current cultivators have yet to offer any seeds. I have a few guesses as to why, but we can get into that later. Um, I also have a pretty like technical reason, like like a, it's not even a guess; it's a technical reason as to why you don't see seeds. We'll we'll, we'll start with that, then we'll get into my guesses. But first, I want to say that it's actually, I in my opinion, I believe that it's beneficial that seeds are not sold in dispensaries, and that technically speaking, the law is not being enforced. I want to reiterate, Illinois cannabis law specifically states that seeds may only be sold by licensed dispensary locations to medical cannabis patients. But, as it stands now, you can find seeds at most any head shop and at a variety of reputable online vendors. These vendors do not require proof of a medical cannabis card and, for the most part, are priced fairly. Now, I would hate to talk about this and force some sort of crackdown on head shops and seed banks in Illinois, Um, but I want to point out that while it might be frustrating that you're unable to buy genetics from some of your favorite cultivators in Illinois, I think that for now and for the foreseeable future, that may be for the better. (laughs) That may be for the better, because... First of all, could you imagine the prices if seeds were sold in dispensaries, just how harsh they would be? And, and if you've ever, if you're big into acquiring genetics, you might be thinking, Cole, there's some really expensive genetics out there. Yeah, if you want to buy those, but you don't have to, and you also have plenty of options. You can try new geneticists. You can, you know, you, you can kind of shop for whatever your, whatever is friendly to your budget. And I'm sorry, but that open market idea that doesn't really mesh with the way that Illinois cannabis works. It's very much a limited market where only the license holders get to introduce their own products onto the market and uh, licenses are never awarded. <laughs> so, cause we don't want to have an open market. It seems like in Illinois. So as to why they aren't selling seeds when they're allowed to, well, your guess is as good as mine, but let, before I get into my guesses, let me tell you the technical answer that I've received from, from some inside sources as to why they do not sell seeds in stores. The technical answer is that BioTract simply doesn't allow them to yet. Apparently. That's what the people, that's what people have told me. <laughs> so... Apparently, some companies have looked into it, but they couldn't even enter seeds into the seed-to-sale system if they wanted to. So that's obviously a problem. If the software doesn't allow for that, which I don't understand. I'm, I'm not, I don't know anything about Biotrack, admittedly. So, um, But if the, if the software doesn't allow for it, it's like, but the law does. So what the fuck are we going to do about this? So like I say, it's kind of a good thing that Illinois law is not being enforced because if it was enforced, it would only be available at dispensaries. It would only be a limited selection, and it would only be available for medical cannabis patients. As it stands now, any adult that can go into a head shop can buy the seeds, which I should be clear 
it's not legal for all adults to cultivate cannabis, but I firmly believe that it should be, first of all, it should be illegal for all adults to cultivate cannabis. But I also believe that all adults should have access to genetics, you know? So I, I think those ideas obviously go hand in hand, but let's talk about my guesses as to why seeds aren't sold besides the technical reason. Well, first of all, it doesn't benefit and look your guess is as good as mine I, if you want to come up with some guesses and send me some or hey once again you can call the Chillinois podcast if you want to submit what you think are the reasons why seeds are not sold in sale uh, sold in stores you can call 312-772-6844 and leave us a voicemail and uh, if you feel that I didn't address the true reason that seeds are not in stores, well, hey, leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the show. Or if you just want to leave us a cool voicemail, tell us Happy Thanksgiving, whatever, feel free to do that. But let's let's go with my first guess, okay? It does not benefit a cannabis company to help you grow your own. Teaching a person <laughs> teaching a person to fish is not helpful when you're trying to make money by selling people fish right? It, uh, it's counterintuitive. Now, here's the other thing. They would have to devote canopy space to creating genetics for consumers. I, let me complete my thought. Um, because people are like, people have been like, they, they have canopy space for creating genetics. Of course they do. That's how they keep the show rolling. That's how they introduce new genetics and everything else. But I'm talking about canopy space for developing genetics for consumers. Let me play devil's advocate for a little bit. If you're trying to maximize profits, you might argue that it makes business sense to hold your genetics close to you. Not only is it a waste of money and space to breed genetics for, for consumers, but why would you want to release your genetics to other potential competitors? Right? It's, it's, just, it's just crazy. It, it it wouldn't make sense if you were if you were trying to just simply make money. I mean, look, <laughs> let's be honest. That's what these these companies are wanting to do. They don't really. I don't see anybody you know any company actually demonstrating any care. They wouldn't charge as high of prices if they did if they did care. You know, cannabis does not need to be as expensive as it is. But anyways, there's also possible legality issues. I mean, at the end of the day, it remains a mystery how any cannabis company planted their seeds, their first seeds in the ground. Now, nowadays, there's a little bit more leniency. There's a little bit more gray area uh, because of a piece of legislation that's sometime refer sometimes referred to as the Farm Bill. And, and that's afforded us leniency in, in the sense that anything that contains plant matter that has below... 0.03% THC is legal. So this is why you've seen um, a preponderance of CBD and Delta-8 cannabis products in the market, and it's also why it's super easy nowadays especially to purchase seeds because it's, uh, you know, plant material from, from the uh, hemp plant, I guess, uh, if you're going off the understanding of the farm bill. And it's it becomes cannabis only when it exceeds 0.03% THC. So um, I'm not saying it makes logical sense, people. I'm just saying that's the law. 
And so, uh, so yeah. Well, folks, that's all I really had to talk about uh, today. One thing I do want to point your attention towards is the fact that SAM, or Smarter Alternatives Against Marijuana, still exists. Um, and they're... <laughs> They're still, they're crazy. Uh, Kevin Sabet, or Kevin Sabet, I don't know how you pronounce his name. Um, he's the president and CEO of SAM. Recently tweeted, was the Waukesha, wa- Waukesha, is it Waukesha? Yeah, I think it was Waukesha. Um, was the Waukesha killer a stoner? And of course, it was a uh, National Review article, but the point he was trying to make not sure if you guys have heard about the tragedy, but a small town in Wisconsin, there was a parade and somebody drove a vehicle through a crowd of through through the parade, um, hit children, and it was pretty uh, brutal. And apparently, photos of the individual that committed this heinous act have surfaced, in which they have like a uh, what seems to be a blunt in their mouth. And basically, uh, the National Review and uh, Kevin here from Sam, from Sm- from Smarter Alternatives to Marijuana, he's trying to say that 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 uh, you know the fact that he was a stoner, that's why he drove into that crowd. Which I was gonna say, there's there's a preponderance now of stoners driving into crowds of people. Ever since we legalized cannabis, you know, we just can't keep these stoners in vehicles out of crowds. They just fucking, they just plow. No, I'm joking. I want to be clear. I'm joking. This doesn't happen, and it's just hilarious. It comes, again, from Kevin Sabet. Sabet. I don't know how to say his fucking name, nor do I really care. I'd love to talk to him sometime, because he just wrote a book that... Our friend uh, Tom Angel from the from MarijuanaMoment.net refers to as the modern day reefer madness, and uh, I believe it's called Smokescreen. Get a copy at your local Barnes and Noble, folks. It's it's probably got a bunch of awesome uh, anecdotes, you know, and bullshit tales that that you can uh, scare your children with. So <laughs> I just wanted to uh, turn your attention towards him. If you're looking for some entertainment over this holiday break, I hope that this podcast gave you some entertainment over your holiday break and maybe that you learned something or it gave you something to look forward to. I don't know. I'm looking forward to December, uh, which, like I said, we'll have more craft cannabis licenses issued. We'll have more infusion licenses issued. And so... Let's see what what new people bring to the market, and let's hope that the people that have been issued a license will bring bring their best to the market. I'm talking to a few of those people. Some of them say they want to come on the show, so stay tuned for that. I'll be trying to give you the, the a preview of what you can expect to come to the market. And the idea that I've pitched to these craft cultivators is that there's currently no relationship between the cultivator and the consumer in Illinois. And the Chillinois podcast can provide that because consumers listen to the Chillinois podcast. And hey, if you want to connect directly to the consumers, why don't you come on to the Chillinois podcast and talk to talk to us about what we care about? So stay tuned for that, folks. I can uh, I will definitely be sure to promote when that happens, and it'll be a good opportunity for you to maybe leave us a voicemail 
You can call us at 312-772-6844. We can play your voicemail on the show. And, hey, if you have a question for one of these cultivators or something, you can leave them a voicemail and leave us a voicemail rather we can play it on the show and they can they can address that question so please folks please leave us a voicemail i want to i want to be able to play voicemails in the next uh podcast episode if you can't tell i brought it up like five fucking times so it's at this point in the show that i light up a joint hey justine where are you at you want to come smoke a joint on the chillinois podcast they haven't heard from you in a while Sounds like Justine just said sure. Well, cheers, folks. I hope y'all have a happy Thanksgiving. Um, we're we're I'm just sitting here smoking. I don't have anything else to chat about. There might be a little bit of dead air here at the end of this podcast as I wait for Justine to come in and smoke with me. She's stepping through an obstacle course we're painting today. <clears throat> Say hello to the people. Hello, people. Wanted to make sure you didn't do <laughs> clip the audio. How you been, Justine? What's hanging? I've been painting this fucking house, man. I'm tired. Yep. Yep. We've been painting today. Um, painting our kitchen. What'd you paint yesterday? The laundry room and the bathroom. Yeah. Been working. She's been working her ass off. So cool. Well, what do you what do you think? Are you excited for the new craft cultivators, Justine? I wish I would see them in the medical dispensaries, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people would too, yeah, but you know. We'll see. Maybe enough people will complain about it and uh they will change the logic behind why they're doing what they're doing, you know. I mean, when it comes down to it, it makes sense. It's an adult use license, but don't you remember when it was legalized? I mean, you worked in dispensaries and you remember there was a time where people were complaining on the medical cannabis community on Facebook saying like, Hey, what's up with these, the adult use menu having so much more product than the medical menu. And then the medical cannabis program, along with a lot of other stores, basically kind of sent out memos saying, Hey, you can buy any product at the medical cannabis tax rate. Right. And so that makes me wonder if that will apply at dual use locations. It's a, thought that I was wondering but for all intents and purposes and everybody that I've talked to they tell me that if you, even if you went to a dual use location one that does honor your medical card in Illinois that you'll have to pay the adult use tax rate on the product and it just sounds so fucking stupid because not only not only did they make that distinction but you remember they specifically said the reason that they are allowing people to buy from either side is because there's no difference do you remember that's part of what they said? Because people were like, oh, uh, I want the medical cannabis because they thought it was better. And they're like, no, to be clear, it all comes from the same place. It's not like it's – so it's just weird how that's all gotten lost in translation. But anyways, well, cheers, Chillinois. I'm thankful for you this Thanksgiving. I hope you have something to be thankful for. I'm thankful for the progress we've made, and I'm thankful that it looks like we're going to continue to make pro progress. So, thank you for all your support. Please, 
leave us a motherfucking voicemail at 312-772-6844. Watch, Justine. Nobody's going to leave us a voicemail. I've said it like seven times in this episode. They're like, hell no, I ain't calling. Anyways. All right, folks. Until next time.